welcome. We are so excited that you're here. And yeah, my standing desk decided to wobble, so I wobbled along with it. I'm Jackie Simmons. I'm the host of the show. You are here. This is the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world. And to help us do that, we're going to be talking about one of those topics that people really don't like to talk about. Bullying. Everybody knows it happens. We don't want to talk about it. That means we don't know enough about it. So to help us become bully-proof so that we not only know about it, but we don't have to be afraid of it, I want you to help me welcome Malcolm Grissom. So we're going to stop there. Malcolm, can you find your camera control? I can. I can find my camera control. Unfortunately, um, I am on my phone because um, I didn't have the link for my computer. Ah, there you go. You know, mm -hmm. things happen in the world of tech. Yep. So we'll let you find a place where you can prop your phone up so you don't have to hold it. And okay. We'll continue Coolio. on. Because that's How are you, Jackie? How are you? I'm well, Malcolm. Good. Take your time and make yourself at home because this is such a big topic. We're not going to allow ourselves to be bullied even by the tech. Yes, ma'am. I love it. I love it. And if you want, we can end up sending, we can get the link to your phone you, and to your computer and you can come back in. Yeah. Oh, but that would be so great if you could just email me the link. So while the tech side is being handled, Malcolm, why don't you tell us about this beautiful blue jacket in this picture? Because we've got this picture of you with a, a really professional headset and a blue jacket. What's yes. That? Yes. Isn't, isn't it nice, though? It's a really so, nice picture. Yeah. This is, um, this is a, a, casual, a casual look for me. I'm... Um, I'm the entrepreneurial speaker, and this is a casual kind of jacket, so I can go professional and I can go casual. This is a casual look for me. So how did you get tagged with the entrepreneurial speaker? I got tagged with that because I am an entrepreneur, and I... Um, I think, for, first of all, I know I'm like the only one in the group that knew how to spell entrepreneurial. <laughs> so that right there, you know, um, I, I think it was Iman actually said that, oh, gosh, you know how to spell it. So that means you'll be the entrepreneurial speaker from now on. Iman a guy. <clears throat> You know, that's how we met. He's our mutual mentor and friend. So under his um, amazing discernment, he gave you a title. Exactly. I love it. I love it. It's easy to live into those kinds of things. What's it like being an entrepreneurial speaker? What is it like? Mm -hmm. yeah, what do you like about it? Well, I like... Um, I like, I'm, I'm a very, um, I, I, I have, I'm a very creative soul and I have, um, 
a lot of creativity and I'm very enterprising. Um, I have a create, um, I have an enterprising brain or at least outlook, I should say. And so I like the aspect of the two creativity and enterprising coming together. And, um, and that's really what, what makes me an entrepreneur. I see, I can spell it, but I can't say it. <laughs> oh, I get that one. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Say it five times t fast. Entrepreneurial. Oh, no. I'm not going oh. to rabbit hole. That's not good for my <laughs> reputation as a host. So... <laughs> <laughs> How did these things, you know, so this wonderful journey with being an entrepreneur, how did this connect with this concept of becoming bulletproof? <clears throat> well, see. the dots for us. Um, sure. So it all started with my background. Um, 2,000 years ago, there was a boy. No, I'm sorry. Um. No, I was I was born um, I was born in San Francisco, but my parents divorced when I was really young, so I was raised in Hawaii. And um, in Hawaii, there was actually snow um, and a couple of mountains and um, Mauna Kea, which is the extinct volcano. Uh, has snow on it. And so one winter, my mother took me um, and some neighborhood friends of mine to Mauna Kea to play in the snow. And uh, we got sick. Mm -hmm. um, just the, you know, common virus. Um, and then the next school day, my mother gave me an aspirin substitute. And because of that, I contracted uh, the disease that all parents should know about, uh, known as um, known as uh, Ray's syndrome, Ray's syndrome. And that basically what that did is that attacked my um, brain and my liver cells. And so, yeah, so it um, made me um, lose. I, I lost my ability to speak um, and hearing. So let me. Hey. I hear an echo. That's a good sign. So there we go. I think that you're about to be beside yourself in just a minute. Uh, let me see if I can help make that happen. There we go. Let's see. A little bit of tech magic here. And we'll see if we can make Malcolm be beside himself. Uh, here it comes. Just a second. And one more step. Katie's got it covered. And poof, 
Almost. You have to unmute. Otherwise, I think you're here, except your camera's not on. So the tech wizards may have just made it where your phone's going to be the best bet. They, yeah, I think they have. Okay, so let's turn off because we're getting feedback. Um, we're gonna. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy, Malcolm. We are seeing your feet and everything else going on. Uh, <laughs> we're going to let you get yourself settled before your camera comes back on. Welcome to the world of a live show. So, as, as Malcolm works on his tech. All right. Thank you, Malcolm, for working your way through the tech stuff. So, sure. So, not a problem. The unintended consequence of being taking an, an aspirin substitute as a child created a, a whole shift in your reality and the reality for your family. Right. So I, um, yeah, I, I lost my ability to walk and talk. And I was um, then, a, so I was in a coma for 24 hours. And then after that, I was fortunate enough to come out of the coma and I was then bedridden for the next uh, six months. I was semi-comatose uh, for the next six months. And, shoots. and so uh, because that, I basically was along an arduous journey to relearn how to walk and talk. Mm -hmm. And then when I was barely able to, um, barely able to walk and barely able to walk and almost, you know, I could talk, but I sounded a lot like young Frankenstein. Malcolm, how old were you? I was nine when this happened. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was nine when this happened. And so uh, I was about 10 when my mother decided to go ahead and push me back into the same class that I was in before. So now all the kids who knew me and loved me before are now scared. And you know how scared kids are. Um, they're horrible, you know. Um, and so I was bullied and punched and ignored. And um, that went on for about two years. And then um, I was finally brought back into the fold, if you, um, as you say, by a... Um, one one of the one of the little girls in my class, uh, she started talking to me, and then that was the catalyst. Because then, from then on, you know, that just uh, stonewalled. I or not stonewalled. What am I? What am I trying to think? Um, snowballed. The ah. snowball effect. You know, after her, then another kid, and another kid, and another kid, and so on and so forth. But. Um, so 
I went, I went through that. And then um, I have also, um, I worked my way to becoming a stand-up comic, which is, you know, is probably the hardest hardest kind of public speaking because it's you know totally intimate you know and it's not it's not acting because I've been an actor forever you know been a public speaker forever it's not none of those you know it's you and the audience and so here I was um this this kid I was I was a little older now um probably in my 20s here I was this kid who uh who still had a speech impediment because it's permanent brain damage so still had a speech impediment but was trying to do this thing on stage that required a very finite timing as well and so you know it was basically that was that was a whole hurdle for me to get over all right so i you got to connect some dots for me because sure. the leap from being the 11 year old just coming back into the fold you know somewhere around that 11 12 year old um coming back into the fold having one person talk to you and then coming back into that and stand-up comedy in the middle of that was the journey into being an actor and a speaker so put those in the right order for us and say, what drove you as to put yourself, and both of those, because acting and speaking both require the willingness to be, to be visible. And for many people, being visible equates to being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. What drove you to put yourself in that um, position of being a target. Maybe. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step in order to answer that. I'm gonna take a step back. So let's go back to my birth. Okay. So, um, as I said, it was here in San Francisco, and I was actually born in the back seat of a sports car, tiny sports car, parked in the middle of the block of the little, um, we, we lived on a little alleyway. Mm -hmm. So I was born right there in the middle of the, of the street with the entire neighborhood watching. There so, yep. Yeah, so I've, I've been in the spotlight. So <laughs> since, since I was born, I was born into the spotlight. I became the neighborhood's child right not not my mom and dad's but the neighborhood i belonged to the whole neighborhood i i became their child right um i started acting on stage when i was seven so basically this bug this need to share myself to be vulnerable um in public was with me before I got sick. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. What did you need to believe to start acting again after your experience with the coma and the ostracization and the bullying and all of that? 
I, oh, funny story, actually. Um, I, I needed to believe that I could do it because um, I think deep down I knew that I could, but I had all this fear, you know, um, partially because of all the bullying and what do you, what do, you do is mm-hmm. um, I really, um, um, I really isolated myself from everybody. And so I had a lot of fear built up. And so I think down deep in my core, I probably knew that I could. It was part of that driving force that was driving me to be intimate as a speaker, right? Um, And I needed to get over this fear. And that happened. Um, I joined the um, speech and drama club at school. Um, to my mother encouraged me to join, or I think it was my stepfather actually that encouraged me to join the the club, and and I joined the club and it was fine because we were only you know rehearsing and performing and speaking for other classrooms, you know, um, maybe maybe we might had. 20 or 30 students in the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there was this one time when the school, when, when uh, my drama teacher, this uh, club's teacher uh, came to us and she said, oh, she had, she had some great news. She said that the principal had told her that she could come up with an original script and we were going to perform it at the school assembly. Now, mind you, this, I, I went to a, um, this was in Hawaii. So it was a small school. So both the high school and the elementary were all crammed together. So uh, this was like going to be in front of 300 students and faculty. So I did that, um, and I, I managed to do that. I had one line. I had one line, that, um, and I'll never forget it. It was, I got your paper, Mrs. Yanguchi. <laughs> um, because the, the, the script was called the, the, um, the Mystery of the Lost Newspaper. Ah. So, you know, I got your paper, Mrs. Yamaguchi. So when it was my turn, so, so basically picture, picture this. Okay, so the speech drama club, we were standing in the middle of this auditorium. It's like a, a really huge um, sports, um, you know, like a basketball arena mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, surrounded by um, all these students and faculty all around us. And we're lined up one by one facing them, kind of like a firing squad. 
right? <laughs> and we're giving our lines one by one. We're going down the row like that. Very, uh -huh. very, you know, very, very, very great, you know, um, blocking. <laughs> but um, this is how we were doing it. And simple blocking, I got it. Right. And so when it was my turn, I said, I gathered up all of my courage and I started the line. And I said, I got your paper, Mrs. Yao Guji. And the moment I did, a long line of snot shot from my nose, <laughs> hung on the ground. Oh, about two inches and then right back up like a snot yo-yo, right? Everybody was laughing. <laughs> Everybody was laughing. I was horrible. I was horrified, right? Um, and I ran in the back in, in our little dressing room area until the rest of the show was over. And then after the show, some of these same bullies, the same bullies that were like beating me up, came to me and they said, Malcolm, that was awesome. I really liked the snot bit, you know? And it was that, I swear it was that moment that I knew not only did I have a voice that needed to be out there, but I had a comic voice that needed to be, I, I needed to give that to the world. I, I, I have to ask, how old were you when that happened? I was 12. Because I'm thinking, that's this age where boys think snot is funny. Yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, the snot story. I'm going to have a hard time forgetting this one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really, really cool. So at the age, at that young age, you decided, I've got a voice. Right. i got a and I need to get it out there. And so it was a process of, um, well, I, about when I was 15, that's when I moved back to San Francisco and I went to the uh, high school of the performing arts. And in that school, um, I was in school with um, a comedian who's now famous. And she sort of got me started in open mics. And so I basically gave it the old college try. <laughs> what a great story, Malcolm. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Okay, so that's how you got into acting. Then you went into speaking. What drew you into speaking? Because that's very different from my experience. When, um, so I, I did, I was performing as a stand-up for a, for a few years. 
Um, and because of my timing um, and because of my huge critic, um, that's, that's what I call this part of my brain that tells me that I can't do it. Um, because of that, I quit. Mm. I quit. Um, I, I quit being a stand-up. Um, and I went into speaking because speaking is some form, most forms of speaking, or at least Back then, most forms that I uh, attempted were more presentational, and they didn't have that uh, that intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I and and I wasn't. Um, I was maybe giving my ideas, but I wasn't telling things that I thought were funny and that people weren't laughing at, right? So I didn't have that heartbreak, that risk. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. So what kind of speaking do you like to talk? You know, what, what was your favorite thing to present on? Mm, back then or now? Well, back then, and then you're going to bring us up to now. Okay. Oh, back then. Um, Back then, it was um, it was my family, it, my family, especially my mom, especially my mom, and um, not to t talk too much about her business, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I know what that means when my kids say it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. Thing. All right. All right. Yeah, she's, um, she, she was, um, let's just, I'll just put it, she's not the best mother in the world. She's not going to win any awards ever as a mother. And so talking about her and about, um, about the problems that she was going through uh, were probably my my favorite topics. Yeah, I get that. That that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, the reality of how this all relates, Malcolm, to what you're talking about now and to what we're talking about today, which is this concept of bullying. And I'm going to highlight something that you shared because I think that this might be key. We've got a culture that's starting to demonize bullies and yet you just told a very humanizing story about bullies. The fact that it's somebody who uses bullying behaviors that sometimes does not label them as a bully because sometimes they're not going to behave that way. It's about labeling the behavior and seeing if we could maybe give ourselves a little bit of a less judgmental stance and deal with the behavior rather than exactly. label the person. 
And your story was such a great illustration of that. So thank you very, very, very much. Okay, so what are you up to now? And, and what are we gonna talk to help? What, how are we gonna help people become fully proof? Okay, so now, um, so now I've gone through, so I jumped through the, I went back to stand-up comedy. Ah. Went through the, um, the stand-up comedy career. Um, and, um, and coaching. Um, so, sorry, I'm, I, I work nights. So my, um, my logic brain is like jumping around right now. I, I'm, I'm thinking, so, you know, yeah, if you're in stand-up comedy, you work nights. This is an early morning for you. You have no idea how much I appreciate it, Malcolm, that you were willing to, to fit this into your schedule. So the journey from speaking, you know, you're, you're doing presentation speaking, you're doing presentation speaking, you know, you're sharing your story of growing up. Mm -hmm. When did it start to bug you? When did it start to be funny again for you? Um, after about four years, after about, well, yeah, after about four years, um, because along with speaking, I was also doing improv. I was taking some improv classes. Oh. And um, one of the best um, lessons that I learned is to really embrace my mistakes and celebrate my mistakes. And in fact, <clears throat> when I make a mistake, um, I learn to open up my body, open, throw up my arms and say, woohoo, I made a mistake, you know? And it was that, it, it, was, it was that that allowed me to get past this huge critic and try again because like I said, I knew I had that voice and I had that comic voice that needed to be out in the world so I could make Jackie Simmons laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> All right, so the, the, this, is, this is a great story and you have definitely made me laugh. How does this play into your mission to help people become bullyproof? Well, um, how did it? I'm, um, it, it's that experience um, along with my a great desire to want to help um, help people, especially help other families, and especially uh, children, uh, not have to go through what I and my brothers went through as children. Mm -hmm. um, and so, <clears throat> it's that combined with who I am combined with the fact that 
I'm just, uh, I have all this energy and I, I love kids and, um, and um, <clears throat> I'm just a really big kid. It's all of that, that really helps focus me on, you know, using these gifts to help um, to help guide other other children, uh, other children or other people to go through, or uh, to get through um, those roadblocks that I've experienced. Got it. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about it because I know that we've got takeaways for everybody from this session that you've got a, a tip list for them, some techniques. I mm -hmm. want to go through the techniques um, right now so that we can make sure that people understand them. What's one technique that you can use to become more bullyproof? Well, one, one technique is <clears throat> listening to soothing music. And um, the thing about that is listening to the music is you're going to focus on a certain part of the music, focus on a certain rhythm uh, or a certain instrument and try and focus just on that and try and tune everything else out oh. and do that. Um, and uh, that is going to uh, help. Um, that is going to help you focus, and that is also going to help people help you calm down. There we go. Helping yeah. us calm down is a good thing. Okay, so when we're calmer, mm -hmm. we're less likely to be bullied. We're less likely to, well, see, see, Jackie, we can't control other people. Ah. We can't control what other people do. All we can do is control how we respond to it, right? And so um, in, in my, um, I give a list of top 10, mm -hmm. um, you know, ideas, actually 11. The 11 one, the, the bonus is really, really difficult. That's why it's um, the bonus. But I give 11 ideas to think about, um, and they help work on us, us being the person that's bullied, the person that's being bullied. Um, and through how we how we feel about ourselves it's through our confidence it's through our mindfulness if you will through our being calm mm -hmm. um through our compassion all of that that's what is eventually going to make us bullyproof because if we're like that then not right away, but if we're like that, bullies, because bully, well, bullies, usually bullies are, as you pointed out, 
they're not all bad people. In fact, they're not just saying that someone's a bully or a bully mm -hmm. kind of takes away um, their, who they are, you know, and so mm -hmm. you're not focused on who they are. And like you said, it's, it's the, it's the actions, it's what they're doing that's bullying. And usually what they're doing or why they're doing it, like in, in my case, when I was a kid, was because they were scared. It's this new thing. It's Malcolm, who was this vivacious, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, seven-year-old uh, or eight-year-old, you know, all of a sudden comes back to school about a year later after all of these rumors about this mysterious illness comes back to school as you know this monster you know walking shuffling down the hallways talking like a monster and that's scary for kids that's scary and so their reactions were to lash out which is what a lot of people do. That's human nature. It's a lot of people lash out. And that lashing out is, that is bullying or could be bullying, right? Mm -hmm. Or in this case, that's the type of bullying that I'm, I'm focused on, mm -hmm. right? And so um, when the, the person that's being bullied, uh, is calm enough and recognizes that and um, is grounded enough mm -hmm. to, um, yeah, to, to recognize that, then eventually the bully is going to mirror that same energy, if you will, and or to put it to put it another way, the bully's gonna get bored of bullying somebody. If that, they don't get a response. Right. They don't get a response. They don't get the response that they're looking for. Because for the most part, when people bully, it's because they're trying they've lost control and they're trying to gain some semblance of control back. And so they're looking for response. And if you're not going to give them that response, just a minute, if you're not going to give them that response, then they're going to stop bullying. So we've covered this wonderful perspective of, of bullying. And, and thank you very much for sharing these stories. But now i got a question for you. Sure. You were talking about the inner critic. You said your biggest you know, inner critic. It almost sounds like that it could also be a bully. Yeah. So what technique works best in dealing with an inner bully? Depends on the situation. So, um, well, we've got a little bit of time. I want to hear this. What, um, one is rec 
recognizing the difference and um, recognizing the difference between the intuition or the creative creativity and the bully and to recognize the difference between those two voices. And it does take a lot of uh, work. Uh, it's not easy. So for me, for instance, I'm a writer. And um, in writing, whether it's you know writing an essay, whether it's writing uh, for school, whether it's writing a book, whether it's writing comedy, whatever it is, um, that it's a technique of, of saying, I'm going to put this bully, this inner critic bully mm -hmm. aside right now because that, that entity is not welcome right now while I am creative, right? Ah. Um, in fact, it, it helps to dictate. It helps me to dictate because that way everything's um, fast and it's basically I'm just um, catching everything that I'm saying, whether it makes sense or not. I don't care because making sense of it is not why I'm doing this. I'm because eventually I am going to run into that intuition, that creativity, that that part of me that is going to make sense. And as long as, as and I dictate it because that way when I write things down, that's really easy for that critic to come back and say, no, no, that period belongs over there. Or, you know, that should be capitalized. That's not the way to spell it. You know, things like that. And when I'm just dictating and spewing things out of my mouth, then that critic who's not invited can't even come back, can't even come back because, you know, the door's locked, right? What a great story. That's a great way to handle an inner bully, you know, and an inner critic. Oh, Malcolm, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Yes. All right. You're so, so welcome. You, you know, we've got a, you gave a gift. Okay. So I, so everybody gets a gift. And, and if someone's watching the recording, the gift will be in the show notes. If you're here live, it's in the chat for you. It's the 10 techniques to becoming bullyproof. And the value of this and the willingness for you to share your story is just amazing because these are not conceptual, airy-fairy, some scientist created some ideas and theories. These are what make you, you, willing to stand on stages and do stand-up comedy. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, this is all, everything that I'm talking about is all tried and true. It's all, you know, it's not, um, if you're, <clears throat> I can't even think of the word right now. 
Um, ephemeral? Ephemeral, thank you. Okay, I wasn't sure where you were going, yeah. So, Airy Fairy by any other name. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Airy Fairy. Yes, no, this is, um, it's taken me years to come up with these ideas. Cool, well, I appreciate the fact that you have shared them with us. We've sure. got a few minutes. Now, um, one, okay. one thing, can I just interrupt for a second? Of course. Um, I've been having technical problems, so the PDF is good. I'm just still having problems actually getting it onto Dropbox. So it's not available right now, but I know that <laughs> it's going to be available by the end of the day today. <laughs> there we go. Uh-huh. And... You know, what's, what's really, really cool is welcome to the age of modern technology. You know, we, we have so many ways that we can share information now. So Katie, uh, my amazing team, um, Katie and Jan, they will make sure, Malcolm, that your gift gets to the people who are here. And I Wonder. really um, thank you for bringing that up because it's like the elephant in the room. We're doing these things live. We make it through all of the tech and we forget that after the show, there's more tech. You know, there are more places, um, you know, somebody said potential points of failure. You know, instead of PDFs, it's PPFs, potential points of failure. And one of them is websites. One of them is emails, as we found out earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The value of being volleyproof is that we make it possible to navigate life's potential points of failure with a little more grace. Exactly, exactly. Yes, it's exactly correct. Thank you for sharing your day with us, Malcolm. I really appreciate it. Thank you for all you do and for the messages that you are bringing into the world. Thank you, Jackie. I really, I really, really enjoyed being on the show, being and talking to you is wonderful. Thank you very much. And I'm, I love the fact that I'm able to share this PDF or will be able to share this PDF with people out there because helping people is a passion of mine. Thank you for sharing your passion, Malcolm. Take care. Love ya.